Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hello and welcome back to the Have We Made It Yet podcast. I am your co-host comedian, the comedian, a comedian, Josh Yang. And I am the actor portion of this podcast. I am Lucas Ng. He is Lucas Ng. And this is the podcast where two creatives, uh, two Asian creatives, talk about the process of making it uh, as we start our journey into the making it in the big industry that is entertainment. Um I, like mentioned before, I'm I'm the comedian uh, portion. Lucas is the actor portion. So we have like different sides, different experiences that we want to share. And maybe if you're interested in in doing things, uh, trying to uh, trying something passionate and trying to make it in uh, an artistic industry as well, this is the podcast where you can hear other people's experiences, get some advice, uh, and that element. But at the top, you know, we say, "Have we made it yet?" is the podcast which is why i have to ask you lucas have you made Mm. it yet we're getting right into it hey i love it um no i have not made it yet Mm -hmm. uh but i think a lot of our day one listeners have have also heard us say on multiple occasions that we have not yet made it but there there does seem to be a flip of the switch right now in terms mm-hmm. of uh, productivity and things that are opening up in terms of Ontario's uh, shooting allowance. As, as more productions are being allowed to open, I feel like I am riding a bit of a wave right now. Nice, uh, nice. Yeah, Josh, uh, my brother Josh right here, <laughs> he, um, he, 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 came out to, uh, he came out to set with me on, on a shoot that, um, that, that, that I was on a short film that I, that I was uh, leading in and he helped me take some pictures, man. And he, sh- if there's any brother that you want in your corner making it in this like crazy field that we're in, it's Josh. So everyone go get yourself a Josh because you need supporters like that. And thank you so much for being there and um, for yeah. the support. It was awesome, it, man. If you can't get yourself a Josh, make sure you have like a non-paid indentured servant because that's, that's just as good. You really need that kind of support um and yeah no i was i was just basically acting as uh lucas's assistant carrying his face mask he's like hey you want some water you want some snacks is that so it was uh it was kind of funny but it was nice it was actually nice to see lucas actually uh perform i don't think i've ever up until then i never i don't think i ever saw him in action on set you know doing um doing what he he wants to do and that's act act Mm -hmm. And um, so it was nice to see him act. I took some behind the scenes uh, uh, footage of, of him in a couple of takes, mm-hmm. uh, if you, in case you saw it on our social media as well. So it was nice to, to be there to support a brother in, uh, a brother in this industry. And um, yeah, it was great to see. Aww. 
Exactly. So everyone out there, get yourself a supporter because you need support systems here in yeah. this wild industry that we're in. Oh, and also on top of that, there's um, other things that are happening next week, which I'm really pumped about. And I, I, I can't say too much about it, but there is a flip of the switch that is happening. So um, I'm going to ride that way for as long as I can. So, but to you, Mr. Josh Yang, mm-hmm. have you made it yet? I have not made it yet, but you know what? We're backing in the comedy scene, baby. That's what's up. Because, uh, yeah, if there's a sound effect, you're like, do, do, do. Anyways. Um, so, so okay. So I finally did a, uh, an actual show in front of uh, audience members and mm-hmm. stuff uh, last Tuesday, I believe. And, um, and yeah, it was, it was nice. It was like a show that another friend, uh, Anna Luo, uh, mentioned or recommended me. He, we did the Fresh Rice comedy show. Uh, of mm-hmm. course, that said, it's also on YouTube, so go go check that out. Um, mm-hmm. But we did that show back in 2020, and she uh, recommended me for this other show. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to get on it in time. Uh, last minute, there was a cancellation because somebody got sick, un- fell under the weather. So the uh, producer just messaged me uh, that day at noon. It's like, hey, can you do 10 minutes? It's like, yeah, sure, I could do 10 minutes. I haven't done anything then. I, w- I was a little nervous. It was like, oh, this is all suddenly happening. But you know what? <laughs> Fuck it. I was just like, I got to get back in there. I got to, this is just, this opportunity has presented itself. I can't say no. If I say no, then what? What's the, what am I even doing? I might as well leave this <laughs> this podcast because it's like, it's like, well, what was it? I've been I've been saying I'm making it, and if I if I turn this down because I'm scared, I can't live with myself. Well, I right. can live with myself. It'd just be a yeah. little disappointing, but I can live with it. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, it was like okay, cool. I'll do it. Ten minutes, and he, then he said it was paid, and I was like, oh, really? Okay, I'll definitely do it. Um, so it was it was nice to do that show. I had to throughout the day. I had to like write some new material because I realized my old set of uh, polished stuff was about six seven minutes. So I had mm. to quickly take a couple premises, uh, you know, try to formulate structure them in a clear way. And it was nice. It was kind of like having some pressure, you know, forces mm-hmm. you to be creative and you know come up with something that works and not have to think too much about it. Uh, and then just try it and do it. So I, I wrote a few more jokes, tried them out. I thought they were good. Um, and yeah, it was nice to be up there, do 10 minutes in front of a, like an audience in the park. There were about 20 <laughs> something people there. And I was first. So perfect. I just wanted to get it out of the way, get all the nerves out. And uh, yeah, it went as well as I, I could hope for. Um, got a few laughs here and there. Of course, it's a park and then no, nobody, I wasn't really. Uh, they weren't really warmed up uh, per se. So mm-hmm. There was a train going on in the back. So it was like, Ooh. you know, it was, hey, is, that's the uh, situation that a lot of these shows are finding themselves in. Mm-hmm. And uh, rolled with it and it went out well. So happy was able to get back, do some comedy and little bonus get paid. Um, nice. So yeah, it was good to be back out there. You're a professional comedian, man. God damn, Josh. No. Gonna pay taxes on that later? Oof. Oh, right. Yes. No, no, no. Yes. You didn't get paid. Yes, I will pay taxes. Okay. And uh, to move on to the next part of the the podcast, um, today's guest, uh, as I mentioned before, uh, I'm a comedian, part time, eh, part time professional, whatever. Uh, Lucas. Lucas is an actor. And our next guest today, a dual threat dual threat mm-hmm. and um i actually met this guest this is the 
the first time I met this guest, we were actually doing a show together. Uh, it was my maybe my third show after um, finishing off the the comedy class that I did in 2019. It mm-hmm. was um, oh, I forgot exactly which club it was. It was somewhere. <laughs> absolute. It was no. It wasn't absolute. It was just uh, like a Monday uh, night a show in a pub and uh, I went on and then uh, I did my, my jokes. And then right after came on uh, this next guest and it was mm-hmm. like, Oh sweet. It was like a, another Asian comedian. Um, and it was, I guess like I hadn't seen as many before since just getting into it. I've seen a couple here and there, but he, uh, this was a, a new comedian who came on and mm-hmm. um, yeah, it was nice to, to have a co- more representation on this, on the stage. And uh, yeah, so we were appeared on the same show there. And next time I saw him, he was performing at the, I believe it was Asian comedy all-stars show at the Rivoli, mm. uh, maybe a month or so later. And then from there, that was kind of also uh, just reintroduced myself to him or actually introduced myself to him um, there. And that was also the, the place where I met Vong. And then from there, things kind of rolled into doing fresh rice comedy and then seeing uh, our next guest, uh, occasionally doing sim- similar shows throughout Toronto. Uh, the last time I saw him uh, was we did a show at the Einstein Pub, which I got an email recently. They closed down for sure. So like, oh, shit. that show doesn't exist anymore. But oh. uh, we did that show. It was the night of the Oscars where Parasite won. And I totally forgot that the Oscars were that night. So missed that big moment in Asian uh, entertainment. However, Ronald and I had our own moment in Asian entertainment that night. Oh, I might have given it away. All right, I've given away the name. Let's just introduce him. He is a duo threat. He's a teacher by day, stand-up comedian by night. Please welcome Mr. Ronald. Hey. Woo! Thank you so much, Josh and Lucas, for having me on the show, man. How are you guys doing? Fantastic. Great, man. Great. Great to have you on. And uh, like I said, essentially in my history, in my career in comedy, you were there in the beginning, whether you realize wow. that or not. Wow. I am honored, honored to, to be there when uh, on your rise to stardom. On our rise to stardom. Our it rise a, to stardom. Rising tide and, um, and lifts all ships. Lifts, lifts, <laughs> lifts all Asian junks. <laughs> We have to spin it in a way that works for the culture. Um, anyways, Ronald, thank you for coming on. And the question that is on everybody's mind, have you made it yet? I think it depends on who you ask. Uh, mm. If you ask uh, people that aren't familiar with the industry, the fact that I even do a show at like a, a bar on a Tuesday night, they think I've made it. Uh, I'm like, no, I don't think so. <laughs> Uh, but no, the, the simple answer I've definitely have not made. I'm, I'm far from it. I think the, the general benchmark is if you're not getting paid or if you're not, if you're getting paid in chicken wings and beer, I don't think you, you've made it. Um, I, I'm still a long ways away. I, I'm trying to, to hustle and grind my way through. Uh, I'm doing shows, stand up shows, as you mentioned. Um, I'm still a teacher, still juggling that. I don't, I don't want to say on the side because that's my main job. <laughs> <laughs> my my principal is going to be listening. What the side? What do you mean? You're you're, are, you're the, we're your side piece. <laughs> um, but no, I, I'm definitely still trying to make it. Uh, I, I'm running a podcast myself, still trying to grow that. 
Um, I got a lot of work, man. And with the pandemic now, I don't want to say over, but at least the world is slowly starting to open up. It's mm-hmm. allowed me to go back out there and hustle my, and, and chase my dreams and, and get back on that horse, you know? Absolutely, man. And especially as a teacher, um, just to introduce that part, like Ronald has been a, a teacher at Appleby College, uh, I believe. And um, through that like teaching experience, obviously for the last year and a bit, it's been super hectic for teachers all across the world. Um, can have been easy. And like now when things, more people are getting vaccinated, the prospect of regular school life is coming back is, is like, how's, how's that been actually, you know, just to give us a, a little taste of that experience as a teacher so far? Man, it was tough, mm-hmm. man. Like it really, and you know what? I think I definitely had it better than a lot mm-hmm. of other teachers. So I, I try not to complain too much because I know looking back, uh, I, I definitely had a better experience, I think. But again, not to downplay the pandemic, it was not easy for, for teachers or or students. Um, I work at a private school, so I, I'm fortunate enough to have some incredible students. I have an incredible leadership team where you know they invested a lot of money into um, things like plexiglass, technology to, to make learning a lot right. easier for, mm. for students and teachers. Um, and my students, I, I teach grade 11 and 12 accounting. So my students, they're, they're very self-motivated. Like I don't have to push them too much. So mm-hmm. there wasn't a lot of chasing. Um, so it definitely made things easier on my end, but you're, you're still not as a teacher delivering the same product, um, mm-hmm. that you normally would in a regular classroom. And mm-hmm. because I'm also a performer, as you know, when you're not delivering, you know, a high level of what you're normally accustomed to, you kind of feel like, ah, like you kind of feel like shit on inside just a little bit, right? Like you feel like you're not doing your best work. And I, mm-hmm. that's kind of how I felt like teaching on a pandemic was mm-hmm. when I'm teaching through zoom, I'm like, ah, oh, man, like, I don't think the kids are into me right now. I don't think I'm doing my best work. Um, cameras are sometimes off people. You don't really get the same feedback. So it was definitely tough. Uh, mm-hmm. Things like sports were taken away. Mm. So it, all in all, man, it was tough. But I, I hear stories from like other schools and like the public school board. And man, it's, it, it was a gong show. Like yeah. it was an absolute gong show. So relatively speaking, I think I had it pretty good. Mm. Man, yeah, no. And, and definitely difference between private and public. Uh, some advantages here, some disadvantages there. But probably in a terms of an organizational stance is like, a lot clearer in a private structure than a public structure because probably in a public structure you'd have to w- wait for a bunch of different like decisions to be made on a on a public policy level before like you can really execute whereas in private you can i guess execute your your decision making a little quicker right yeah absolutely so um i work in what we call like an independent school board so we still technically follow the ministry of education so there were still a lot of things where we had to wait for the government to to tell us of what we can and can't do but you're absolutely right uh we do have a little bit more flexibility in terms of making other decisions Mm. uh things like how we're going to spend our money um, so we we're able to move quickly on that, whereas I, I think certain school boards and even individual schools, um, it just moves slower because you're moving as like 15 schools at once. It's like the Titanic, right? It's right. just bigger and it's just harder to make decisions uh, and slower for things to happen. Uh, whereas us, we're just one school and we can kind of make decisions a little bit quicker. Nice. 
Uh, speaking about just all your different skill sets that we already alluded to, like being a comedian, a teacher, and also I saw that you were also a lecturer at Ivy too before. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so between those three skill sets, although they all do seem like somewhat related to, uh, how do you find time to rest between those three skill sets? I rested the last two years, man. I, I'm ready to go, baby. <laughs> Dude, the last yeah. the pandemic, I, I'm full of energy. I'm ready to go. But you're absolutely right, man. Like, uh-huh. I, I was dating a girl um, uh, pre-pandemic. We dated for about three years. So she kind of saw me kind of get into all of this. And, you know, the one thing she kept always saying to me was like, man, like, I don't know how you are, are doing all this. Because I would come home from work. I would go out at night, do my shows, get home at midnight wake up at six o'clock, do it all over again. Mm. And, you know, the one thing I was saying to one of my colleagues, uh, his name is Chris Patterson. He, he's part of a band called the Arrogant Worms. And oh, okay. I, had a, I had him on my podcast and um, I asked him a, a very similar question that, that you just asked me. Mm-hmm. And the one thing he said to me that I agreed with was a lot of this stuff it provides you with energy actually mm. rather than the other way around, right? Like <laughs> I'm going through a day at school, you know, let's say nine to five, hypothetically by the end, like I'm drained dealing with students, marking, parenting uh, with <laughs> parents. You know, if I know I got a 10 minute set, you know, at let's say absolute comedy uh, yeah. at nine o'clock that night, like, Oh man, like I'm ready to go. I'm fired up. Like I'm going home, putting on my Swiss army cologne, my best <laughs> outfit, putting gel yeah. in my hair. I'm doing the set in front of the mirror. Like I feel like a boss. So <laughs> I actually feel like I'm energized, um, doing some of this, what we call like extra stuff, uh, yeah, at the yeah. end of our day. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's definitely one where like, I can see you, you probably have two different like personas to a certain degree. Cause you can't necessarily bring each to each one in the same manner so like knowing you're having like these different parts of your life would would give you a sense of like perspective at least i feel it it's like this is something nice to do that like maybe people at work do or do not know but it's something that's yours it 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 gives you uh, it fulfills you in a in a passion-driven way it's like how have you um kind of blended those identities or or do you blend those identities at work yeah, that's a great question. Uh, I know teaching is one of those professions where I think comedians are afraid to blend the two worlds together. In fact, I was talking to another teacher comedian uh, literally yesterday, actually, on Instagram, and he was saying that he doesn't like to blend the worlds together. Mm. I'm not going to name names because he he's obviously doesn't want to be named, uh, but he doesn't want to blend the, the worlds together uh, because he's one of those comics that I guess talks about more edgier stuff and being a teacher. Oh, yeah. it, it's a very, you know, you don't want to get fired, right? Especially if you're teaching kids. Yeah. Whereas for me, I've made it, I've been comfortable with blending the worlds together. Mm. Um, hopefully, knock on wood, I don't regret that later on. Um, <laughs> But I blended the world together, and I, I think I've decided that up front. Number one, I think I'm a relatively cleaner comic. I don't do a lot of you know, sexual jokes. You know, Every now and then I'll drop one. I don't do a lot of political, religious, racy jokes. So I feel comfortable blending the worlds together. And in fact, mm-hmm. um, I don't know if I ever told you offline, but uh, my school actually paid for me to go to Second City for training to do stand-up. Wow, no, yeah. I, I didn't know that. 
Yeah, it was part of my progressive. Yeah, it's very progressive. It was part of my professional development. Um, And, you know, most teachers kind of sign up for your typical thing like, oh, how to become a principal or, you know, how to, you know, teach a certain subject. I'm like, you know what, like, I'm going to do stand up. And I I put in the, the, the request to HR and thinking that they would reject it. And it was like a $500 course at Second City. And they they put it through. And ever since then, that was the reason why I went wow. into stand-up. And ever since then, there's three levels at Second City, or there were, was three levels. Uh, they accepted all three levels. So they, they, the school put in $1,500 into me to do stand-up comedy or to be trained in stand-up comedy. So at that point, I couldn't really hide it. Like everyone knew at that point, including yeah. the principal that I was doing this. Um, so at that point, I'm like, you know what? Like everyone at my school, including my students and parents, mm-hmm know that this is something that i do mm. and and that's that's pretty honestly that's kind of mind-blowing to to hear because you know how like a lot of different uh comedians or amateur comedians like trying to start out they'll either do a course like second city or there's like i know there's the humber college they have like a comedy course uh, or they just do it themselves and try to figure it out themselves but it's like to get monetary support to be able to pursue something like that, that's like almost kind of hitting a, a jackpot a little bit in, in a comedian like mindset. Um, in that case, like I do remember as well, uh, seeing like a year ago well, before the pandemic and everything happened, like you organized a comedy show for your students as well, right? Yeah, honestly, yeah. man, that was probably right up there in terms of top three shows I've ever wow. done in my entire life. And you know what? Like, I, I don't want to say I performed. Like, I did perform a little bit. Like, I did 10 minutes as a host. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that show was really more about the students that were mm-hmm. performing. Because uh, mm-hmm. ever since the school gave me that monetary support to do this training, I, I want to find a way to give back to the school to show them how much I appreciate them supporting me through stand-up comedy. And I want to show them, like, listen, I can bring this skill set now to the school right. and give back to the students. So I started um, a stand-up comedy co-curricular after-school program wow. uh, for high school students. Um, and I train students to become writers and comedians. Um, and two years ago, 2019, uh, we put on our very first stand-up comedy show in front of the entire community. Uh, wow. teachers, parents, students all came out. It was probably a show of 100 people. So it, mm-hmm. was, it was pretty big. And we held it at, uh, at um, our school cafeteria. Um, and st- we had about, I want to say, 10 to 12 students sign up for the co-curricular, which was a perfect amount. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And each of the kids uh, did five minutes of original written material from scratch. Nice. Uh, and we had uh, Mark uh, Max Ross uh, come in as an opener. I'm not sure if you've ever met him. Uh, and then no. we had, I know Leonard Chan, you've had him on your podcast, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, he came in to, to headline uh, oh, that perfect. show as well. Yeah, and he came in an hour or two before, talked to the students about his story, kind of gave them some feedback on, on, on their jokes. And uh, he closed at the show and it was like, oh, it was incredible, man. Still, again, top three shows that I've ever done. Mm-hmm. Did yeah. you see any budding stars that are that people who have really good promise? Oh yeah, man. You got to see a couple of these kids out. Uh, there's this one kid named Stuart Fenn. If he keeps doing it, he's going to be a big star in comedy oh. one day. I, I just hope that he keeps doing it. Uh, Cause one of those things, it's one thing to be good at it. It's another thing to keep doing it. Right. Mm-hmm. So I yeah. think he's going to be a star. Uh, another Asian uh, shout out, actually another big star. He's in grade going into grade 11. Now um, mm-hmm. his name is Sterling Wu. Um, and he's, um, yeah, grade 11 student, 
really bright kid, um, mm -hmm. musically gifted as well. Um, and I, again, I hope that he signs up for my comedy club next year as well, because huh? another star in the making. Nice. <sighs> and, and that must be, honestly, I think that's very lucky to be able to, you know, introduce comedy. I think if you're a kid and like that might be something you're interested in early on, because, you know, when it comes to the comedy, the, the progression from when you start to when you actually start moving the needle a bit takes takes a lot of time because like you you have to go out and like not only write the material but practice it perform the material try to refine it over time and then stage presence audience interaction that's a whole nother skill set as well and like yeah. for these students to be introduced into it in such a great way early on like at least having a framework of understanding how to approach it if they want to do it moving forward i think that that's really great and like to also like to get leonard chan excellent comedian like I've gotten advice from him and it's like, it's advice that has changed my perspective. So to get that kind of advice as well, uh, early on invaluable, I think if for, for a comedian that young. Yeah. Comedy is, it's like you, you age like wine, right? Like into your point, like you have to age really slowly. Like you got to get reps and you got to go to the gym. You got to keep doing these shitty open mics. And you know, for, for us, like, I don't know how old you guys are. Like I'm 33. I think I started around 29, 30. And like, I'm still learning, you know, what my voice sounds like and how to master this craft. And I'm still long ways away. So the earlier you start, like, I agree, man, like you just have a higher chance of finding success quicker. Yeah. Uh, I mean, quicker is not the right word, but uh, you just give yourselves a, a longer window of opportunity to, to find success. Yeah. I remember you, you said this one story one time about a comedian that you saw um, that was performing alongside you at the Lone Cats. It, it was the guy that was on in White Castle. And uh, you had said that the guy had performed like 25 years already. And everything. In, in, in White Castle? Is, no, is Harold... no. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like like the guy was, was in the movie, uh, Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. Like Bobby Lee? No, no, no. This was a, um, I believe, a oh. white comedian that you had said, Ronald. Oh, really? White comedian? Yeah. Who's, the, who's the white comedian? Harold and Kumar. I just think uh, of Harold and Kumar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, what other white guy is in that movie? That I thought it was just the Asian and the brown guy. Oh. But, but I just remember you had said, like, it literally does take time. Like, you had, by then, did it for about five years, but this guy had done it for 25 years. And you're like, oh, okay, this is what it takes. It actually does take a lot of time to eventually, yeah. like, to destroy a room sometimes. Well, you know what? That doesn't surprise me. I, I feel like that's almost every comedian, right? Uh, it, it takes a long time to to get there. And if you know, if going back to to Leonard, right? You hear his story, right? Like, you know, it took him a while. Like, what? He's seven, eight years. I think that's around how long he's been in now. Maybe nine. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, like that's a long time to invest. If you think about seven, ten years, like that's a long time of your life investing into to this craft of writing jokes. Mm -hmm. And you're right. Like, if you think about some bigger comics. Um, who was it? I, I think Bill Burr, he was a comic that didn't really blow up until like maybe in his forties. Oh uh, yeah. You're like, yeah. holy shit, man. Like imagine waiting to 40 years old to, to blow up. Like that's a long time to stay committed to a craft. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, the earlier you start, um, it just gives you a better chance to finding out that success and what that formula is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I did notice that one of you, one of the guys that you really do look up to is, uh, uh, Jerry D since yeah, he's also a teacher and also course, a comedian yeah. right now too. Yeah. Um, any other, you, you had mentioned Bill Burr already, but any other musicians or 
comedians or actors that you really look up to to inspire your craft? Oh, dude, there's so many. Um, obviously, the big ones I, I think everyone knows about, right? Like, you know, you got your Dave Chappelle, Jerry Seinfeld that everyone grows up on. Mm-hmm. Um, Jerry D, I'm a huge fan of just because, you know, I, I can relate to his material. He's Canadian. He used to be a teacher. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a lot of similarities I, I see with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, of course, Jerry yeah. D. Uh, but a couple of guys, I think in the comedy world we would know about, but maybe not so much if you're not a big comedy fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I always encourage people to look at, these are my top three, I don't want to call them B-list celebrities because in my world they're like all-stars and they're yeah. like legends. Mm-hmm. Um, but lesser known, uh, Mark Normand. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. I don't know if you heard of Mark Norman. This guy is killer, killer. He actually opened for Jerry Seinfeld uh, about a year or two ago. Yeah. Uh, Jerry Seinfeld, like this is my guy uh, coming up. Mark Norman, he has a special out on on YouTube. Uh, another guy named Joe List, um, mm. he's mm, yeah. also a huge deal, uh, and probably one of my favorites, uh, Nate Bargatze. Um, all these guys, he has a two Netflix specials out actually on Netflix. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've seen all of these guys live at Buffalo when the, the borders were open, and they all have specials out. And let me tell you, these guys are hilarious. Uh, and I encourage people to listen to those three people if they haven't uh, seen them yet. Mm-hmm. Nice. No, I would agree. Like all those comedians I've I've heard of, I've seen. Um, they're like they've got a pretty great presence on social media as well and that's that's like a whole nother part of the game now when it comes to like comedy social media being able to have and grow your own audience there um i mean to segue kind of into another element of like growing audience right like ronald you started uh, a podcast called the teacher hotline um i think you're into like 20 something episodes 20 episodes yeah 20 episodes in man yeah yeah and it's it's you know knowing like we've done this podcast for like a year and a, almost a half now. So we know like how that process is to start something off and like try to really uh, grow it. And like the teacher hotline is a podcast that focuses on teachers asking questions and like bringing guests on to answer those teacher profession related uh, questions, which is interesting because I've never heard or like seen any other podcast that touches on this specific topic. And it's like, it's not really a comedy specific topic. So can you like run through like what really motivated you to create this podcast and what's, what's like uh, the drive behind it? Yeah. Um, the the drive i'll be if, if i'm being frankly honest was uh, the pandemic <laughs> yeah and you know from you guys both of you would probably know very well that um with stand up and i'm sure lucas you're an actor right like i'm sure just work was stripped away from you during that time so yeah. you know guys like us the three of us we we thrive off of being creative and <laughs> I just sat around and got to the point where I'm like, I, I can't just sit around and do nothing anymore, man. Mm-hmm. Like you got to stay sharp with writing and your, your creative abilities. So I thought, mm-hmm. you know what? I'm going to start a podcast and I didn't want to do a comedy podcast. Cause if I'm being frankly honest, there's just so much out there already. Every comedian yeah. has a goddamn podcast. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, I don't even know what premise I would have. Like, I just don't want to mm-hmm. be on a mic just rambling for for an hour. And that's mm-hmm. why I love about your podcast is there's like a premise behind it. And every joke, there needs to be a premise. And your premise is, you know, have we made it? And you bring in all these different um, experts and people that have, whether it's in music, comedy, or, or acting. And I, I think that's a solid premise. And I'm like, I need a premise first. And my premise was, uh, what, how can we answer questions for teachers um, 
that teachers are constantly thinking about, whether it's inside or outside of mm. the, the classroom. So mm. very similar to like those old school radio shows where like people call in and say, hi, my name is Joe and I have a problem with my plumbing today. Yeah. I bring in Joe, someone from you know the plumbing world and we, we kind of answer that question online. So that's kind of where my premise came from. I'm like, you know what? There's some legs to this. Um, and yeah, like it doesn't take much to start a podcast, right? You, as long as you have a good editing program and a good laptop that can hold MP3 files and uh, buy a microphone for a hundred bucks, um, you're ready to rock and roll. Um, yeah. So I, I started it. Um, I'm 20 episodes deep. Um, I actually just got off uh, an episode right now with probably my biggest guest up to date. I got this author uh, named Andrew Hellum who authored this book called Millionaire Teacher, who sold like millions and millions of copies of this book. Wow. Uh, so I'm trying to get bigger guests now on my shows. And, yeah. um, but you know what? I, I'm curious to hear your, your perspective because like right now, because I'm 20 episodes deep, like if I'm being honest to everyone, like I'm, I'm getting about roughly 100 to 200 downloads per episodes. Right, like nice. to me, which at the beginning was like, all right, this is kind of cool. But now I'm like, I'm hungry for more. And I hear mm -hmm. podcasters get like thousands and thousands. And I'm like, and I know it's not realistic to get that many at the beginning. Mm. Well, I'm curious, how did you guys handle that initial hump? Like what motivated you guys to keep going when you're trying to build your listener base? Uh, because I'm still trying to gain listeners, but it can be frustrating sometimes when you don't see large numbers out the gate. Yeah. I mean, no. for me, like what kept me going was just the opportunity to, to, to talk to my friends during COVID. That was mm. the whole thing. Um, to be honest, like if, if people want to like understand how this podcast works, like Josh is more on the, like he puts up the stuff, he looks at the metrics and everything like that. So he knows the numbers a lot more. Whereas I'm the one that records it, edits it and everything like that. And then hands it off to Josh. Um, but I just take this as more of a passion project, if anything. And mm. what's motivating me is just the opportunity to network, to meet a lot more new people, which we would have never had the chance to before. So mm. this is just a cool avenue for me to branch out and meet more people. I love yeah. that. Yeah, no. And, and I think in terms of like metrics, like I agree. When you start a podcast, I think we anybody who starts a podcast is like kind of uh, tempted or, you know, sed seduced by the idea of getting like, ooh, thousands of downloads. Ooh, I'm, I want my podcast to be like, so many people are listening to my podcast. But if you're really just starting a podcast and you like share it on your own social media, like it's only going to go to people you know, right? Like it's, it's hard to penetrate outside of your immediate bubble of your networking contacts. And it's, I think that's really the, the game of it in the sense where it's like some other like, bigger, more established like celebrities or comedians also started new podcasts during the pandemic. And those have gained a lot of traction because, you know, they already have their own audience pre-built. So they can just put that content directly to uh, an audience and get downloads there. But if you're starting from the beginning, from scratch, and you don't like nobody really knows who you are and you try to push it out, then it's kind of like, yeah, you almost need that premise to to somehow carry you and attract enough people who might be interested in it to um, to really find your podcast, connect with it, and then continuously uh, listen to it. And I think for ours, you know, we've we've gotten like not too many downloads. I don't think per uh, per episode on the podcast side. Uh, we do focus more on the YouTube side, so we try mm -hmm. because we record this and we put this on YouTube. Uh, we mm -hmm. wanted more of that visual. Um, 
feeling to it. And that was kind of like we did that in the beginning because we have five episodes that was recorded in the first month of us trying this where Lucas and I were actually at Lucas's apartment talking like how we thought a podcast would would work. Mm-hmm. You know, and then the pandemic hit and we had to really pivot into this type of structure. And it's kind of like, you know, you it's making it in this part is probably the same as making it as as an actor or comedian or an artist. You know, it's like you start from the beginning, you're probably not going to get much traction right out of the gate. You just need to start building it slowly and slowly over time, uh, improve and get better. And then hopefully an audience will follow. But I feel like Lucas and I have pivoted our perspective on that in that we're not worrying so much about the metrics or the audience per se, but more or more or less whether or not we get fulfilled out of it. So I think just the element of being able to talk to you, being able to talk to so many different people and have this vehicle to be introduced to different people and like cold DM them, cold call them or or whatever to, to see is like, hey, would you be interested to come on to our show to talk about your experience? And having that as a way of like increasing our network is like, who knows? Who knows where that could lead to? Yeah. And like yeah. actors or comedians or artists we talk to now, we might bring them back on in a year or two to see where the progression is going. And it's, it's always a progression, I think. And, that, and that's the value we are getting out of this. Man, I love that answer. You know what? That, that's given me so much perspective because... Um... I've heard that answer a couple of times now, which is kind of making me realize very early on that, you know, you're right. It it shouldn't be about downloads. You shouldn't be chasing downloads. You shouldn't be chasing Mm -hmm. likes on social media. It's about, you know, are you enjoying this? And to be honest with you, just lately in the last few weeks, I've stopped looking at my download numbers. I'm like, you know, I don't Mm. care. Like I just enjoy talking to people. And like I said, I just had that author come on my, yeah. on my my podcast and like I was like, man, like I was like starstruck. I was like, holy shit, like I got this uh-huh. huge number one selling author globally on my podcast. Um and I never would have had the opportunity to chat with them if it wasn't for this platform. Yeah. Um so you're right, like you never know, maybe that connection could lead to something else 5, 10 years down the road. Um mm-hmm. and it should be more about that than perhaps, you know, you know, what do I have a thousand downloads or 10 downloads? It doesn't really matter. Right. Um, so I love that answer from you guys. You did strike a nerve though, man, because getting that author is, is not easy. So he like definitely saw something in you. That's, that's worth going on. Oh, thank you, man. I I hope, I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) I hope so. (laughs) You didn't keep all this racist content or anything like that. No, (laughs) (laughs) get them canceled. Yeah. I mean, I think another element that helps because like both of our podcasts are more guest driven podcasts is that like Mm -hmm. the more people we bring in from different, you know, backgrounds, different professions, different like networks and like they share our podcasts, you know, on their uh, social media or through their networks as well. Whenever their episode comes out, that also is kind of more of an organic way, in my opinion, of like growing the podcast, just showing it to different um, audiences. Yeah, I've started doing that. Like uh, at the beginning, I was just kind of inviting my buddies on, and some of my friends have like twenty followers. Uh, <laughs> yeah, sorry, sorry, no, no, that's cool. <laughs> and then I started bringing on, uh, yeah, some like bigger name guests, and yeah, like it starts expanding my network into their networks, and hopefully, I'm able to 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 get some of their their following into to my listening base. And yeah, it's yeah, I'm starting to see a little bit of growth, and uh, it definitely yeah. helps. You're absolutely right, man. Now that I think about it, do you, I assume there is, there's definitely teacher conferences, um, like education boards or, or whatever that, that set up these conference events. Like maybe in the future, like you could totally do like a live 
podcast recording oh. at one of these events and like have a guest come on and then because like literally you'd be you'd be doing the podcast directly to other teachers and that's your audience right like you dude that's teachers. so smart man that isn't i never even thought about that uh do i need hey. to pay you for that idea or no no, no. That, that's a <laughs> hey hey that's a have we made it yet uh Rebe. gift 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 to you you know all as i said all you know uh tides lift asian a rising boats. tide lifts yeah yeah <laughs> josh doesn't even I know totally for, i totally forgot but <laughs> i think you know i just thought of that now it's like i think that that might be a great opportunity because because like you're a teacher as well like that just seems like mm. a more direct way of doing it whereas like for ours making it is like everybody's making it where where do we do that but yeah. i think maybe that could work for for you because um because i would imagine that's kind of like the thing if if you're answering teachers questions i could totally see it where it's like teachers just after school like if they're marking they just put on your podcast and be like listening to it as they're because it's like kind of teacher related stuff if they have any yeah and that's my hope right like you know a teacher is driving home from work one day you know picking up the kids you know it's that's why i try to keep the episodes roughly 30 minutes because that you know that's mm. maybe what a commute time is like um, yeah, right, yeah. and but like i like that idea of like perhaps going to these teacher conferences and maybe even doing a live uh podcast or um you know, just even advertising there. I, you know, those are probably avenues I'll probably start exploring once really a lot of the stuff starts coming back. Yeah, um, I don't even know if I'm going to have that chance this year. I guess we'll see. Yeah. Hopefully, Delta stuff goes away by then. But Ooh. great idea. Yeah. Um, speaking about rooms and different audiences, uh, I was watching another podcast from you. Uh, you had basically said on that point, it's it's never the room when talking about an audience's reception to maybe your lukewarm material <laughs> can you go into that a little bit more and what was that insight like for you yeah um i i think i can't remember exactly what i said there um but i've talked about this with um with some of my students as well right like i, I think the room that you're performing in sometimes it does you got to take it with a grain of salt you, you mm. really do and josh you could probably best relate to this mm. um and you know what maybe when you're starting out you're like, oh my God, I'm a piece of shit. Like everyone hates my jokes. I'm not funny. But then it kind of, as you get some more experience under your belt, you start to realize like, it's not the room. Like you, you, you gotta, you gotta realize the audience that you are performing in front of, you know, number one, are the, is the comedy being forced onto them? Number two, are they paying for it? Number three, are you doing comedy? Like, you know, in a park versus like in an actual comedy club what's the lighting like what's the the sound like you know are you performing with the microphone or are you just yelling into the air um you know is it an older crowd is it a younger crowd and not all your jokes is going to resonate with with everyone like i've done a material in front of a crowd before and like i ate shit uh, and at the beginning i'm like yeah you know like i, I you know i was really hard on myself mm. and later on i've realized like no like this is you like this is you you don't find this funny and i'm okay with that mm -hmm. um so I, I think i've gotten a little bit more perspective in in that sense to not take the room too personally uh, because mm -hmm. again josh you could probably relate like an open mic is very different than an actual paid comedy show at a club and you could be doing the same joke the exact same way and get a very different response um so i, I think that's one thing that i remind myself and reminding myself now that I'm starting back up again to mm -hmm. not take things personally, depending on the room. And I know I did on my very first show, I did a park show. And again, I ate shit. I stumbled over my jokes. It was like seven minutes of silence. Um, I took it personally. 
Uh, uh-huh. But then I reminded myself, I'm like, no, like this is we're in a park right now, at 11 o'clock at night. <laughs> There's like four people here, yeah. so of course I'm not gonna be killing uh, this show. Uh, so I yeah. don't know. That's kind of something I, I like to remind myself with. Yeah, I agree with that 100. percent I think that's one of the things that if you could teach a, a young comedian anything, it's that it's it's understanding the expectations going into any show that you you uh, go to. Uh, and the self-awareness of, you know, not only how you perform, but like how the environment is, because you're just not going to get the same responses uh, mm-hmm. from not only different rooms, like in a packed comedy, like the reason a comedy club is designed the way it is, is because it's trying to maximize laughter. It's like, it's a crowd that's on top of the comedian. So you get as much like closeness to the comedian. So, so you have this kind of uh, reverberating sound effect where it's like the more people that laugh allows more like other people to laugh and like mm-hmm. comedian or like comedy clubs are also kind of built in a way where they're a little tighter they're, the ceilings are kind of like lower so you get more of that kind of room feeling whereas yeah, like sound pure, bounces back sound bounces back and there's more of an atmosphere that allows people to, I mean you uh, I think people just like in clubs and dancing like you need a dark setting because like you don't want other people kind of to I think the audience is also super self-aware like if you don't if an audience isn't relaxed to be oh feeling okay to laugh about even dark jokes then it's like you're not going to get the same response and in Mm -hmm. an open field or open you know park the sound just like dissipates and goes away and there there might be a train in the background like a lot of things distracting so it's like having that self-awareness that you know, isn't is not necessarily your jokes. It can be the environment, but you know, having that expectation as well, not taking it too hard on yourself, given the the different um, environments that you're in, I think is I, is really important. I will say this though, I, I think it's still on the comedian's part to be smart about what jokes you are doing, given the audience that you expect to have sometimes yeah. you just never know like you kind of go into a, an open mic and you're like you have no idea who you're getting but you know like do using an extreme example like if you're a comic that does like abortion jokes like don't go do that like at you know uh, like a retirement home right mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> right like you know be smart about it right like, go do it at a comedy club at 11 o'clock at night when people are drinking um mm-hmm. depending on again the audience you kind of have to pick and choose your jokes a little bit uh <laughs> absolutely smarter, right yeah, absolutely. And like sometimes you have to pick you and choose your jokes in the middle of a of a set. Like the, the thing that uh Leonard Chan uh told me about his experience about like, you know, preparing or like even performing is that if you're performing like a 20 minute, 30 minute set and the, a certain style of your jokes aren't hitting with the audience but like other styles are, then mm-hmm. it's like it's kind of your skill as a comedian to adjust yourself real time to be like well okay so the audience isn't liking these types of jokes but they are liking these other ones if i have other ones of these go with those other jokes as well and like i i know you're right like i completely agree i think that's that's what separates the best comedians versus like yeah, yeah. The good comedians I, I i will admit that's something i need to work on i'm a very rigid person like I like to rehearse my set a bunch of times at home and then I'm like, all right, I go in, like I kind of know my, my set order and to be able to adapt on the fly and be like, all right, I'm going to cut out this section and replace it with new jokes mid set. Like while I'm telling mm-hmm. the jokes, I find that very, um, very, very difficult. I, I don't know how comedians do that. Cause that's, that's just another level uh, mm-hmm. that I'm trying to reach myself. 
Yeah, no, me too. I'm the same. Like, write it out very rigid. Like, I go in knowing exactly what I want to say, and then I try not to uh, set, uh, move too far off of it. And I think in the end of it's just, I mean, I guess now I have maybe like 10 to 15 minutes of actual like material I'm happy with. Um, but then like later on, if you, as you develop more, you'll just have more ammo to play with. And, and that will, that versatility will just come with time, I think. 15 minutes. That's pretty good, man. How many years have you yeah. been doing this for? Or, or like 10 to 15 minutes of like time that I'm, yeah, I yeah. wouldn't say they're like, you know, I did the six, seven minutes, um, for the, the, uh, what the is rice, it? uh, yeah. For the rice, the rice show. show. Right. Yeah. And then the, uh, like the other minutes that I have is more or less jokes that are like in the middle portion right. or like premises that are built up or just like 10 to 15 that I've performed now that I think is like is are jokes that can be right. made even better right that's solid yeah. man that's honestly building 15 minutes is, is not easy especially once you're starting out uh, but uh yeah man um now you have a solid set of jokes that you know are going to work and then um I, I like to see the pandemic is actually kind of a nice way to restart like I personally yeah. I don't know about you but I've started to just like I don't want to say set aside my, my old jokes, but I just don't even touch them anymore. Mm -hmm. um, I'm just going to start from scratch. Like it's my day one on the job. Like it's my first day doing comedy and I'm just doing brand new shit. And if it doesn't work, then it's like, well, crap. Like I don't want to be able to lean on my old jokes and I only pull those out if I'm doing like a gig where I need 30 minutes or if I'm doing like a club show to impress someone. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. But other than that, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to start from scratch. Yeah, like speaking of flexibility, I, I saw that one of your goals before was to be on stage at least like once a week or so. Yeah, um, yeah how did COVID like really affect that? And, and how have you had to pivot in the last two years to still get that performing time? Oh, I haven't. <laughs> I haven't been able to is the, the simple answer. At oh, the beginning, I, I don't know if you guys did this, like did a lot of like Zoom shows. And those were, again, depending on who you ask, I found no value in them. Mm. I, I did a couple of them to see what they were like. And I saw a lot of comedians do it. After a few times, I'm like, I just can't do this anymore, man. This is mm. just a waste of time for me. Um, now that the world has opened up again, um, there's, there's still not a lot of shows compared to pre-pandemic, but I think there's enough shows out there to kind of get your feet wet. So nice. right now, I've been averaging maybe two shows a week. Uh, nice. which I think is okay for me. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, even like, I think one week, once a week is still not enough. I think those were like starting out for me. I'm like, yeah, one show a week would be nice. Now I'm trying to like go out as much as often. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I think there needs to be enough shows out there to support that goal. Like if I said four shows a week, I just don't know if there's enough shows out there to even allow me to do that. Right, right, right. Yeah. yeah. No. Sorry. And, and I imagine like in terms of, going to those shows like i probably before you know that's something you you always have to consider as well like transportation and, and like getting to and from the shows yeah. um but in, i guess in terms of right now like how how are you finding um actually you know what i don't even know where i'm going with this because like the answer is just like oh you just kind of drive to the shows and, and <laughs> i thought i thought i, I thought are you I asking had for a, a ride josh <laughs> i don't <laughs> 
Josh wants to know, can, sure. we, can we carpool? <laughs> you know what? This is one of those moments where I thought I had something going on. And as I was saying, it's like, no, Josh, this is not interesting. What are you asking? It's like, Josh, just are, ask me straight up. You, I, I can give you a ride, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, it's like, like Ronald, so are you uh, free to give me, can we carpool? I mean, teachers carpool, can comedians carpool together? Um, <laughs> can we take the HOV lane together? Yeah, yes, Josh, yeah. I can give you a ride next time, man. Oh, man. <laughs> I can pick um, you up. <laughs> uh, yeah, but, no, I've been um, driving to the shows. Yeah, that's that's essentially the only answer to the question that I was almost trying to ask, but uh, <laughs> which was kind of kind of super pointless. Um, but anyways, yeah, no. In terms of like right now, getting back to two two shows a week, um, do you do you foresee like when you're going back to school, being able to maintain that or and like yeah. trying to push for it? I think that's fine. Like pre-pandemic wise, like I was doing three, sometimes four shows a week during the school wow. year. Um, and you know what? It wasn't that bad. Like, in, you know, like I, I finished school, let's say what, six o'clock at the absolute latest. And that's mm. if I'm doing mm. after school programming. Um, I get warmed up too if I'm doing my stand up after school comedy co-curricular. So I get to actually write with the kids and, mm. you know, do a lot of prep there. And uh, I get to go on stage too with the kids. And, uh, you know, I get a little bit of warm up there. Um, and then, yeah, like, like I said, I get a lot of energy going out and performing what I'm finding, what I'm worried about, to be honest with you, this coming year is now juggling work, comedy, podcasting. And I told you guys offline, I am trying to get into like commercial work, uh, like right. doing auditioning. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm going to be worried about juggling four things. Like, I don't know if I've bitten too much off, um, I will say the one benefit right now for a lot of casting agencies is everything is self-tape. So when yeah. you do have to do auditions, um, yeah, just set aside like maybe an hour or so to get your, you know, get your setup and tear down and everything like that already and have your lines memorized to shoot it and then send it to your agent. But that is one of the major benefits right now. Yeah, Lucas, I want to pick your brain because I know you're an actor and obviously you've probably done a lot of self-tapes. Um, like I got my first two auditions coming up this Monday. They're, they're self-tapes for, for commercials. Nice. Um, what, um, just out of curiosity, are, are there any tips that you could give a guy like me who's trying to make it uh, to put together a solid uh, self-tape for, for a casting director for a commercial? Like what would yeah. be some elements to, to think about? Definitely have a backdrop, a plain white backdrop, or 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 a solid a solid color backdrop. If you would don't it just have be one. like a white wall. I don't have a backdrop, but would just like a plain white wall. Be yeah, fun? like I, I see a wall right behind you. Like that yeah. that could work, provided it's not busy or it has furniture right. on there. Right. Um, have a good light, a ring light, not direct light on you. Shit, I don't have that. Um, yeah. Otherwise, like I see. Sorry, I'm just looking at your apartment right now yeah. or your place. Uh, yeah. Otherwise, that overhead light will just cast like a yellow glow on you. That will mm. make you kind of soft focus and everything. What about natural um, light? Yeah, I mean, if you shoot it during the day with it with a window that's that's giving you natural light, that would mm -hmm. look good too. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, uh, depending on what phone you use, usually their mics are pretty good too. So mm -hmm. have a tripod that will set your mic up. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, and in especially in commercial auditions, this is for everybody. Just smile a lot more. It's not meant to be dramatic. They just want to buy things from you. So just look positive. That's the whole thing. They they okay. want to buy from you. So yeah, yeah. Uh, there it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. What about uh, like the commercial that I'm doing? I can imagine a lot of commercials. There's probably not that many lines. Like a lot of these commercials are 15 seconds, 30 seconds. Mm -hmm. um, so there's not a line. So you know, in terms of when you are looking into the camera, like for instance, one 
one of the auditions I'm doing, there's like no lines at all. It's like just me, like just smiling and showing it like an, an iPad. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what, how would you even do that? Am I just looking into the camera? Like, uh, hey, yeah, like yeah. is it your, just your best smile? Don't, don't look down the barrel. Uh, look, look off camera. Like, look, always like, look like, off camera. Look off camera. Yeah. Interesting. Um, yeah. And, and, and just look, look incredibly pleasant and happy doing it. Um, it also depends if you're sitting down or standing, all that stuff, like really read the specs about like how they want you to film it. Right. And, uh, you might need to do a slate beforehand. Yeah. I was going to ask you a slate. Oh. So as a slate, like just like a, like a title slide that has your name and stuff on it, or is it, do I have to literally say into the camera? Hi, my name is Ronald. Hey. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, w- when you do edit your self tape, like, um, it's going to be your first, your slate for a commercial audition. So it's going to be your name, uh, name, height, and location. So right. mine says, hi, my name's Lucas Ng. My height is 5'11 from located in Toronto. And then you go into your edition. Okay. But it's different takes though. Like make sure you, that there's a, there's a cut. Right, 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 right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm getting so much information from this podcast. I love it. <laughs> You're getting pitching tips from Josh right here with a live <laughs> podcast session. That'd be incredible. I know. Man. And then how to put together an edition tape from you. Man, this has been the most useful podcast I've been on, man. <laughs> we're, we're, we're all just trying to make it just trying to make it out here we're, we're we're all just trying to make it um but i mean speaking of that as well like you know you're getting into commercial work and like it's gonna be busy come the fall uh mm-hmm. it seems um do you have like a, a make it either like moment or do you have like a make it objective uh for yeah. for like you know do you at that point where it's like i've made it you can say that yeah i think for me and I think a lot of comedians feel the same way. For me, knowing that I quote unquote made it would be to make it to the Just for Laughs Festival to, oh, to rec- be recognized for that. Like that's the crown jewel here in, in Canada to, to be at that festival. Mm-hmm. And I would love, love to be there someday. And I was so close like years ago. Um, I don't know if I told you this, Josh, but I was, uh, I actually showcased for Just for Laughs at the Rivoli. Um, 2019 i think and i was was so fortunate enough to be asked to to do that Mm -hmm. and i was up against some of the best comics in in toronto and i I was remember it was like the most important seven minutes of my entire life and i killed like it it did without sugarcoating i did incredible and people came up to me like in showbiz and said man ron blah blah i'm from sirius xm i've never heard of you before and yada, yada i was just being showered with all these compliments and it just made me realize at that moment, I'm like, man, like, I know I have the tools to do this. Like, I know at some point in time, as long as I work hard enough, I can and will make it. But I just got to be patient for the right opportunity to to show yep. up. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's that was probably the biggest moment of my life. And I felt like I was at the doorsteps of, of quote unquote, making it. Mm. And, you know, it wasn't my time. It wasn't my time. Um, and that's okay. Um, but I think for me, that would be the ultimate, uh, end goal at some point. Love it. Nice. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. Do you guys have a, a big pinnacle moment, whether it's like a big movie or whether it's again, just for laughs, uh, how do you guys define making it? You want to go first, Josh? Well, I mean, the one, the one I've kind of said is, is like super in, in kind of in the future in my mind where it's like, there's a table at the back of the like olive tree cafe in new york that's right above the comedy cellar where it's like 
the comedians hang out at before they actually have to go down to the cellar to uh to do their sets and stuff and i just imagine if i'm able to like sit there and and just like chat with the comedians as like an equal doing uh sets at the comedy cellar i think that would be making it because in a sense that would be like i guess that'd be in the states and it's like that's the place where you know a lot of comedians respected comedians in the industry go to in new york um so sitting there i think that would be like my making it moment um Mm. i think like you said like just for laughs i think that's that's also a huge milestone uh to hit in canada and it's one that also kind of like signifies that it's like hey you know what this is this is your almost acceptance into like the canadian comedy scene where it's like you have a just for laughs set on your as as your credits and it's like you can you can say that you're you're part of the game uh from that point so i think that's definitely a really important one Mm -hmm. is there different ones for acting uh, lucas uh not not well not really for me i mean essentially like i'm getting cool auditions for like cool union projects right now but just my major goal currently that i'm really focused on i want to get into the union by the end of this year Mm. and getting somewhat closer like a lot more cool auditions for union productions are are asking for me so you know like like to you what you were saying like you're, you were showcasing at the Ripley to get onto jfl it's yeah. like i'm doing my showcases right now so right that's exciting I, man yeah yeah i just i actually i was actually I just learning it. about uh getting into the union i didn't realize you need to get something called like union credits every time you do yep. uh, you get booked for certain acts um Mm -hmm. and yeah like this commercial i'm about to do i'm apparently gonna get a union credit and i didn't realize you can just join into the union like you need to get what i don't was it three credits or something like that or whatever it is um interesting so i had no idea i thought you could just pay a fee and be part of the union so (laughs) no not yet you gotta work your way in like i've had a few non-union productions like commercials and other stuff that i've booked but i'm still waiting for those union ones so have you done commercials yet yeah yeah a few yeah which ones have you done like Etsy was one and I've done a, like a Sobeys internal and everything. Um, Ooh. yeah, just, is this on YouTube? Like, could I find it? Uh, I, Oh, Etsy one you can find. Yeah. Etsy yeah. one you can find. Yeah. I'll, I'll but, link it to you if you're curious. Please, I would love to see it actually. Like I would love <laughs> to see you on, on YouTube in this commercial. Give me some inspiration before, uh, before Monday. There we are. Is that when it's due? Your self tape? Uh, I think Tuesday. Tuesday by eleven. I got two of them due by then, so I got to work on them this week. Oh yeah, yeah. Pro tip: don't wait to the last minute. Like right. send it the night before, if anything. Right, 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 right. Yeah, because I got to mm-hmm. also put it together. I haven't used like iMovie and editing tools yet to put it together, so mm-hmm. I'm gonna do it maybe this. Uh, I gotta figure out when I'm gonna do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because like when your agent then submits it to the casting director. If you submit it late, it's going to be at the bottom of the list. Oh. And b- by the time, like, by the time, like, say you're number 60 and the person submitting it, they might have already found their person from one to 50. So they might not even look at your tape if it's too late. Wow. Yeah. That I didn't know. Yeah. So just try to get it in ASAP, if anything. Dude, I better do it after this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Shift yeah. the time. Yeah. Right, right, right. Interesting. Should we uh, cool. get going on some word association there, Josh? Yes, let's let's do some word association at the end of this uh, great episode with right, uh, Mr. Ronald it. Hay. Um, for new listeners to this uh, episode of the podcast, what we like to do at the end of our uh, shows with our guests is to run them through a word association game. So I will have 10 words. Lucas will have 10 words. And uh, the name of the game is to try and get Ronald to 
really show us his deep inner self, his, so uh, his subconscious and how he responds to each and every one of these words. So uh, Ronald, how about this? Uh, Lucas, how about you go first and then I'll go. And, I feel like uh, I'm at a psychi psychiatric ward right now. <laughs> you guys well, are testing my subconscious. <laughs> hey, you know what? Sometimes when it comes to making, you need a a, a delusional level of self confidence. So we're trying to see, we're trying <laughs> to true. see if you've got it. If you've got it, Ronald. If you got How what delusional. it takes <laughs> to uh, to make it. I mean, the, uh, it, it depends on each person, but I feel like uh, we every, we need that self belief because if if yes. in those moments where nobody else is going to believe in you, you got to believe in yourself. Absolutely, I love it, man. All right, let's let's get this fired up. Here we go. All right, man. You feel loose? Feel ready? Woo. Let's go. Awesome. Okay. First word of 10. Winning. Ooh, winning. Uh, winning. Losing. Oh, wow. Yeah. Winning <laughs> no, and losing, right? I don't want to lose. And I, that's winning is the one thing I, I want to uh, I want to do. And losing is something I don't. Okay. Am I playing this game right? Am I doing this right? <laughs> no, no, you're doing this right. It's just, oh. <laughs> that's cool. You like to think of yin and yangs then. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a second word, Asian. Ooh. Um, culture. Hmm. Expectations. High. Teaching. Passion. High school. Self-development. Contrast. Contrast. Uh, Colors? <laughs> Teenagers. Oh, annoying. <laughs> That's what we wanted. There we are. Uh, <laughs> Ivy. Um, Ivy. Uh, best business school. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. Lecturer. Lecturer. Um, lecturer, best two years of my life. Nice. Yeah. And the last one, Ronald. Oh, wow. Oh, you stumped me on that one. <laughs> I feel like I want to just say by how I would identify. And I feel like I identify as, you know, a teacher, a comedian, a, a podcaster, you know, uh, some, someone that's caring, someone that has high expectations of myself and, um, you know, a family member. Yeah. Ooh, love yeah. that. We got love a little that. introspective there. It's like, know yeah. thyself. Know thyself. <laughs> um, awesome. All right. Let's go with let's go with my 10 words. And uh, mm -hmm. Lucas threw me a bit of a curveball there because he, he actually used one of my words. So I'll have cool. to pivot. Oh, shit. My, I did. Hey, you know what? That's okay. It's not like we do this. every. It's not like I have the same words every time. Um, <laughs> but uh, okay. All right. Let's do this. Let's do this. Okay. Ronald, clear your mind. Your first word is childhood. Lucky. Banana. Milkshakes. Mm. Sun. What type of sun? Like the sun sun or like sun as in I am a son to a father? However you interpret that, that you know, phonetic word. Oh. <laughs> uh, summer. That was the correct sun. Um, <laughs> next word. Solitude. What the hell solitude? I don't think I've ever used that word in my vocabulary. 
I'm gonna look, sound like an idiot as a teacher. Solitude. What the hell? Solitude. Like, so, like, 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 kind of like when you're by yourself. In, oh, in like by yourself. Eh? Yeah, yeah. Like solitude. Pandemic. Pandemic. Oh. Yeah. 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 Gold. Gold. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I guess I, I guess I screwed that up. <clears throat> Your word is goal. With a goal. With a, I feel goal. like I'm at like a spelling goal. bee right now. Yeah. Goal. <laughs> Your word is goal. 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 Um, what we talked about earlier, just for laughs. Mm. Next word, river. River. Um, kayaking. Circle. What the fuck? A circle. <laughs> Triangle. <laughs> Next word, kumquat. What? <laughs> Are these, is that a real word? Kumquat? Kumquat. Kumquat. That, that sounds very sexual. <laughs> it, it does, and that's why I like using it, because it sounds sexual and confusing, but it's a fruit. It's a fruit? Oh, I was going to say porno. Uh, <laughs> just, it's, it's, it. It, see, that's what it is, is. It tricks you into saying things that like you think it sounds, and it, it, it makes that, those connections, but it's, just, it's funny that it's actually a fruit. Oh, but, it's a fruit. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to go with porno then. Kum, kumquat porno. Perfect. Uh, next word, victory. Victory. Um, sports. Mm. And finally, finished. Oh, goddamn, I get to have lunch now. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, because it's been, it's been a couple hours of just nonstop podcasting. It's, it's what we've got Ronald under. Anyways, thank you so much, Ronald, for coming on to the podcast. We really appreciate it. Um, please let us know where people can find you on social media, what, what you have going on, uh, in terms of shows, uh, definitely let us know about the podcast when it's, when we can find where we can find it, when it gets, uh, released. Yeah, you can find, uh, listen to my podcast, uh, called the teacher hotline on Apple, Spotify, Google podcast, really any streaming platform that you use out there. Uh, you can find it there. Uh, we release every single Monday. Uh, so go check us out. Uh, you don't necessarily necessarily have to be a teacher. Uh, a lot of the topics uh, actually relate to the gener uh, general public as well. Uh, so that's great. Uh, in terms of online, you can find me on uh, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, uh, Facebook. You can find me at Ronald Hay, R-O-N-A-L-D-H-A-E, or at the Teacher Hotline on Instagram or on Facebook. In terms of what I got going on, honestly, nothing too big right now. Like, I'm still trying to build up my act. Uh, I'm trying to work on my, my brand new 10 minutes. So I'm going to a lot of just like smaller open mic shows. Mm -hmm. So nothing too big where I would want to invite people out to. Uh, but if you're ever around, you follow me on Instagram. Uh, I do post some of those shows sometimes. So you can check me out and try to just work out some of that raw material and hopefully turns into uh, gold uh, one day in the future. Nice. Yeah. Absolutely. Definitely uh, interested to, to come out and, and take a look as well. Uh, Lucas, uh, what are your handles? Where can uh, Just before I do my handles, I, I did see one of your set at the Rivoli. It was at the Asian Showcase one. Yeah. It was fucking hilarious. So oh, everyone thanks, should... Dude. Check out Ronald. He's awesome. Thank you, man. That means a lot to me, buddy. <laughs> oh, no problem. Uh, yeah, everyone can find me across social media at Lucas John Ng. Again, N-G is my last name, just two letters. And Josh, where can people find you? At 
Josh Yang Comedy across all social media. Uh, also, don't forget to listen to the Sleep with Josh podcast, which actually I forgot to say at the top. Uh, the Sleep with Josh podcast has hit 10,000 downloads. In, oh, uh, in total. So, uh, oh, congrats, man. Yeah, it just happened yesterday. And uh, I again, like, you know, Ronald, if you got a solid premise, it kind of it kind of just like grows itself because i'm not gonna lie i've been a bad sleep with josh guy because uh i haven't <laughs> you've been sleeping with josh because i haven't slept with josh in like <laughs> two months so it's like uh, i haven't put a new episode out and uh but hey it seems like it's still growing because yeah. i got enough episodes out there but like we're coming back and we're coming back in august i i'm putting my foot down josh okay yeah. josh so we're coming back in august Okay. And uh, it's a big moment. 10,000 downloads managed to manage to hit that. So uh, just hope. Dude, congrats. That's huge, along. man. Like I know that I, um, that I, it's, it's been so hard to, to get those downloads up. And the fact that uh, you hit that many downloads, like that's a huge, huge milestone, man. So congratulations, dude. Mm-hmm. Thanks. And, and I think the only thing that's really like really helping me is that because it's a sleep podcast and like people everybody goes to sleep within a 24 hour uh, like is period. it like a meditation meditation type of podcast I yeah because it's like i read in my monotone voice i read like <laughs> really actually boring material so like i've read the dictionary i've read different laws <laughs> i've read uh i've read it's like i don't i don't know you might like this i read the bank the banking act of uh, in the 1930s uh, dude that is of- so smart yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've read that. I've like uh, I've uh-huh. counted sheep for an hour. Um, I've like uh, on March fourteenth, I've read digits of pi for thirty one minutes and forty two seconds. So it was like a bunch of random ideas, boring stuff here and there. I've read uh, uh, what what is it? Gray's Anatomy, the medical textbook from like a couple hundred years ago. So like every episode is like me reading boring stuff. Genius. For so You're absolutely, like, you gotta have a good premise, man, and that sounds yeah. like that's a solid premise right there. Yeah, yeah, and the benefit of it as well, everybody needs to sleep. So it's like if they just put it on every night, then I those downloads keep racking up. So I've uh, I've given myself a nice nice little handicap to my game. So wow. it's it's good. So check that out, Sleep with Josh podcast. Congratulations. Uh, we're we're out here. We're all out here trying to make it. And the, you know, of course, follow this podcast as well on uh, on YouTube across social media at HWMIY podcast that's hwmiy podcast across all social media please like follow subscribe and uh thank you again ronald hey for coming on to the podcast thank you so much man appreciate uh, you guys having me on thank you check out check out his podcast go check out his comedy and we'll see you all next week peace out bye Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 